Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. How many of you guys were here last Sunday? We started the series Time to Fight. This is going to be Time to Fight, take two. And last Sunday we spoke a little bit about how God has called us to speak and to fight for those who cannot fight. Today, I'm not going to speak about that, but we are going to fight because I think that our country is in a situation where it calls for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and fight. So let's start with this. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to put your meanest, you're behind a mask, but at least your eyes. Let them see a fighter face with your eyes. I mean, can you, can you try to do that? <laughs> at least using your eyes. God is calling us to be fighters these days. And how many of you guys have had controversial conversations on the topic of voting in the past few days? Really? Okay. A few of you guys don't feel bad. I think it's impossible to have a normal conversation these days when it comes to the topic of voting. It's, it easily turns into a toxic conversation. And most people by now, some of you guys have already voted. Those that haven't, at least they've made up their decision and they defend their position with tooth and nails. I mean, it's like, look, this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. But I want to just challenge you because we're living historical times. We're living very important times, not only in the culture of our great nation, but unfortunately also in the church. We're seeing division like we've never seen before in this country. And unfortunately, that division is spilling over inside the church, which is devastating. This has facilitated conflict, disunity, and disharmony in the culture that we're living, even in the church. How should a Christian vote? How should a Christian vote? And I came prepared because I knew beforehand that this question was going to stir a few emotions and maybe give me some looks. I can't see your smiles. I can see your faces, but I can see your eyes, right? <laughs> and I see some looks going on right now. Um, who will the pastor vote for? Who is he going to endorse? Which party will be decided are some of the questions that probably are going through your mind. But this morning, as we do every Sunday morning, we are going to go to the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. Because without this authority or the highest authority, we are left with just our human perspective. If there's no authority, if there's no Bible that we can go to, our what left us, our, our, all we are left with is our history and what we think and our perspective. So I want to share with you Psalms chapter 47, if you can go there really quick, because I want you to know that there's a correct way to see the world, and there's a correct way to see your vote, and it is through the lens of the kingdom. Listen to me, church. There's a correct way to see your life, to see the church, to see your vote, and it's through the lens of your kingdom. The Bible shows us and tells us that Jesus is the king of all kings. What does a king do? A, a king governs. A king governs over a kingdom. And there may be kingdoms in the world. We don't have kingdoms here. We have a president 
that rules, right, and dictates and laws and, and does what he does. Other places in the world, we still have kings. But the Bible says whether it's king or a president or whatever, Jesus is the king of all kings. He is the president of all presidents. And he rules above any kingdom of this earth. And in Psalms 47, verse 7 and 8, the New Living Translation says, For God is the king over all the earth. Everybody say, all the earth. Praise him with a psalm because when you know that the king of kings, the one who's ruling is a just God, then obviously you can celebrate. You can sing. The problem is when, we, when the people that are ruling are corrupt, are unjust, that's when we cry instead of worship. But the psalmist is saying that because God is the king over all the earth, praise him with a psalm. And then verse 8 says, God reigns above the nation's sitting on his holy throne. The United States of America is a nation and God rules over all nations. So God rules over the United States of America. Can anybody give him glory for that? Thank God for that, right? In the Bible, the word kingdom appears 326 times. If we say as people of God that we belong to the kingdom of God, we need to vote in favor of the principles of the kingdom of God. You can't say you're a Christian. You can't say, oh, I, I believe in God. I believe in his Bible. And then vote totally against the principles that are in the word. If you believe that you are part of this kingdom, if you believe that the Bible is the maximum authority, you're going to vote according to the principles of the kingdom. So let me illustrate it. Uh, this way. I am a football fan, and I know Javi here is a football fan. I know Juan uh, somewhere. There he is. He's a football. We have a lot of football fans here. Unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins don't play today. They're on a bye, but next week they are going to play the LA Rams, right? And we're doing pretty good. We started slow, but we're getting there. Uh, there's hope that we might make the playoffs this year. <laughs> uh, I see a lot of faith on this side of the room, right? Uh, so <laughs> now that the Marlins are gone and the Heat did good, you know, we're left with the Dolphins. So we got to cheer for them. So check this out. Next week, Dolphins face the LA Rams. When two football teams play a game, two teams are in conflict. There's two teams and there's a conflict. They're both after the same thing. They want to win. Unfortunately, only one team wins. They have different uniforms. There's different personnel. Each team has their coaches. They have their trainers. And they both go in opposite directions. They both have different end zones. One needs to score on this way. The other one needs to score. The other team needs to score the other way. But if you look carefully, you'll notice that there's not just two teams. There's a third team. And that third team is the team of officials. Everybody say officials. Officials are on the field, but they're not of the field. Okay, they are in the conflict, but they're not part of the conflict because they have to report to a higher authority that we all know is the National Football Association, the NFL or the National Football League. They have to report to them. And the NFL commission has appointed these officials to represent the league in every single game. So every single game that's going on. You guys see there's a group of officials and they come to make sure there's order, there's order and that there's no chaos in the game. Any decision that they make 
on the field must be made in accordance to what they decide. So look, their job, their only job is to bring order to what otherwise would be a chaotic conflict. So the minute these officials step on the field, they have to do away with any personal preferences. If an official is a fan of the Dolphins and the Dolphins are playing the Rams, they can't make a decision in favor of the Dolphins just because they like their team. They have to put their personal preference to the side because they're there, they're there to give an account to a higher authority, which is the NFL. So these officials, they stand out. They have their black and white jerseys. And I, I got one on Amazon, but it, it was like huge. It was like a papalote, like the Cubans say, right? I was going to look like it, it, I came out my PJs or something. So I decided not to wear one, right? But they have their black and white jerseys. And they do not identify with no team because they represent a greater authority. Now, look at, look at what happens. Every single official, in order to become an official, you have to go to school. You have to go to a school of officials. You have to take tests. You have to study. And once you are made officially an official, they give you a book. They give you an official rule book that contains every single rule that governs the sport. Any decision made on the field of play must be made in accordance to the rules in that book. Their personal preferences, their stories, their experiences should all be subject to what, people? To the book. Thank you. Sometimes they're going to be booed because they stuck to the book. Sometimes they're going to be applauded and they're going to cheer for them, right? But they know whether they're booed or that or whether they're applauded, they're not there for the fans. They're not there to gain popularity, but to bring order to a competitive environment with conflicting realities. So bear with me. I'm getting somewhere with this, all right? God called me to be a pastor. And one of the things that I get to do as a pastor is to counsel people. I have the opportunity to hear people uh, going through difficult situations and I am called by God to give them solutions based on a rule book. So if somebody comes up to me, an individual, a person, whether it be male or female, young or, you know, middle-aged, whatever, and they come and they tell me, Pastor, my life is an absolute disaster. What should I do? The first thing that I have to do is go to my book. I have to go to God's book. And I go to the Bible, and based on that person's need or that person's crisis or challenge, I need to go to the Bible to see what God says that person should do. So I sit down with the person, I tell them, look, well, the Bible, in your case, says you have to forgive. If somebody's offended you, man, you know what, you have to forgive because otherwise you're going to be always tied to that person and you're not going to be free to live the life that God called you to be. So forgiveness doesn't make the person right right it's just a matter of you setting yourself free from that person so i give them the principles that god says then i give them practical steps that that person needs to do based on the bible to be able to bring about the restoration of that area of their lives and finally i pray that the holy spirit would give that person the determination and the conviction to press through and do everything that they have to do so then, then God can do what only he can do. Amen? So what, when a family comes to me and says, Pastor, our family is dis in disarray. 
my marriage is falling apart, my children want nothing to do with me, everything in our family is a failure. What should we do? Guess what I do? I go back to the book. I grab the Bible, the ultimate authority. I go and see what God says to fix the situation, what's going on. What's going on with the marriage? What's going on with your relationship with your kids? It's a disrespect. And then I go ahead and proceed to give them practical advice and practical actions that they can do to be able to start restoring and healing the marriage and healing the relationship between father and son or, or mother and daughter or whatever the case may be. And last but not least, just like I would do with an individual, I would pray that the Holy Spirit would Grant every single person in that family that's involved in, in, in the chaos the determination to be able to do their part so that God, the Holy Spirit, could do his part and restore the marriage. But here's the question. What do you do when the entire nation is in trouble? What do you do when the two teams on the field are Republicans and Democrats? What do you do when the conflict is between the police and the community and issues of justice. What do you do when the issues facing society are chaotic and conflictive and everyone has a different perspective? What do you do? I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't change the book. Hello. You can't change the book. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the church, they love to change books. Or they, look, they like to pick parts of the book that you like and discard parts of the book that you don't agree with or that probably don't go with your personal way of seeing things based on your history or based on what you were taught or, or whatever the case may be. So sometimes we go to the book of politi the political position of my party. Let's see what they say. Or we go to the books of our political perspective, our backgrounds. And from there, we make our own decisions. We rather listen sometimes to social media influencers who have been paid by corrupt politicians to promote diabolical agendas. And we wonder why sometimes we can't bring harmony to a chaotic situation. Now, I want you guys to know this. God never changes books. The Bible says that everything you see right now, everything that seems everlasting, You know, you could, you could go to Mount Everest and see the, you know, how, how massive of a mountain that is and, and the mountain range and the things that God has created, the depths of the ocean and, and you see the planet Earth and how amazing it is. But the Bible says that one day everything you see will, not, will be no longer. The Bible says that heaven and earth one day will not be. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Revelations, the last book in the Bible, it talks about God calling Apostle John right before he dies. He's an old man. He was an apostle faithful to God for a long time. And he tells him, John, I'm going to show you things that are to come. So get pen and paper and write everything that you see because I'm going to show you what the end's going to be like. And that's what the book of Revelation is. Some people are scared to read the book of Revelation. They're like, man, it's freaky. It's weird. There's dragons with seven heads. I don't understand what in the world it's about. And yes, there is a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of Stuff that it may be a little bit difficult to understand. But the Bible says, blessed is he who hears and understands the word of this prophecy. So we need to understand. And among the things that the book of Revelation and that God tells John is that one day, there's not going to be no more earth. 
he says, I saw a new earth and I saw a new heaven. So all the things that we hold dear to, we, we, we spend our lives, you know, struggling to, you know, make a good, le- good living. And we should do that, right? To leave a good inheritance to our children. That's even biblical. But sometimes that's our main priority. But you have to understand that there's a kingdom that's going to endure a lot longer than this heaven and this earth that we see today. There's things that, that are in the spiritual nature and God tells us to put our treasures in the things that cannot be seen. Treasures, build our treasures in heaven. So the one thing that we can do is change the book because one day heaven and earth will no longer be, but his word will always be. And his word will always remain forever. So check this out. People change People could promise you things and they could, you know, go back on their promise willingly or unwillingly, you know. But when God says that, look, my word will never pass. If there's one thing in the world that you're going to grab a hold of and not let go, it's the word of God. If God says that he's going to bless you, guess what? He's going to bless you because he will never go back on his word. He will never say something and then say, oh, you know what, wait. 20 years later, should have said something else. I'm going to change my mind. No. If it's written, it's going to last forever. When God says he's going to pick you up, that if you humble yourself, he'll exalt you. Man, that'll work back in the first century and it'll work right now in 2020 in the middle of the craziest pandemic in our history. Because God was the one who said it. So everybody say, the one thing I can't do is change the book. So God doesn't change books. He doesn't update them either. Right? Like your iPhones. When you get those annoying alerts that you need to update your phone and update the operating system, then you got to start putting password in. Uh, God doesn't update his book. His book has been written. You can add. You can't take away. It is done. It is the authority. So check this out. Bear with me here. Just as there's a group of people who officiate a game, a football game, based on a rule book, there's also... A group, another group of officials called the Church of Christ, who is called to salt the earth. And one of the things that salt does is what preserve. Back in the days when they didn't have fridge, they didn't have freezers and stuff, how would you preserve meat when you killed the buffalo and, and, and you were storing the meat and you didn't want it to go bad? Salt preserves. Salt preserves. And the Bible calls us, we're the salt of the earth. The church, the church is the one who preserves the earth. Prayer is not enough. One of the things that sometimes is the first thing or first option that we do is say, well, I'll just pray about it. And we do need to pray about things. It's important to pray about things, but you can't just settle for praying. We talked a little bit about this uh, a few weeks ago that you need to add action to your prayer. You need to add action. Sometimes we pray and we expect God to drop everything in our lap. You need to add action to your prayer to heal the land. So the more we remove God out of an individual's life from a family, the more we remove God from a society, the the more we remove God from the Supreme Court, we remove God from, from what we believe, the more chaotic these entities become. So the closer an individual, on the other hand, the closer a family, the closer a nation gets to God, the more order and the less chaos there's gonna be. The question is, do you want more chaos or do you want more blessing and direction? Right? So, so we need to pray and take action. If you see 
the central theme of the Bible, it's all about giving God glory, God taking the glory, and establishing his kingdom here on earth. So when you turn away from that, you've changed books. And when you start changing books, you've changed him. So look what it says in Psalms chapter 22, verse 28. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. So it's pretty clear here that he who rules all the nations is the Lord. If you go to Psalms 33, 12, it says, What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord. Another version says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as an inheritance. And Psalms 103, verse 19 says, The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Everybody say, God rules over everything. So he has the authority. God's kingdom is the one that's going to remain. There's a lot of kingdoms that have risen and fallen over time. Some have lasted longer than others. But there's no kingdom that can compare like the kingdom of God. So to finish up, I want to ask you, which side are you on? Which side are you on? And I want to finish off with a story in the Bible that many of you guys remember. Joshua was this guy used by God to finish off what Moses started. Moses spent 40 years going around in the desert with the people of Israel trying to get to the promised land but never did. Moses dies. Here comes Joshua. Next man up. He was a servant to Moses. And because he was faithful serving under Moses, God promoted him. And here he is. And they had just gotten over the Jordan River. God had told them, look, what Moses couldn't do, you're going to do. So saddle up your horses, get ready. You are going to go to the other side of, of, the, of the river. And right when God calls them to do that, the river is just overextended. It's flooded. There's a certain season in the year where, where the river is incredibly flooded. Other seasons, you could just hop to the other side. But God calls them to go over the river when it's flooded. That meant that people that couldn't swim would drown. But God told them this. God told them, just start walking and you'll see my power. So because he was a man of faith, any men and women of faith in here? He started obeying God without seeing. So he said, let's go. And God gave him orders. He says, the priests are going to go first. They're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. So the priests, here they are. I can imagine the first one. He's like starting to get his feet wet, saying, oh, Lord, if you're not with me, I am drowning here. And he's carrying the Ark of the Covenant with other priests. And the Bible says that as his feet started touching the water, the water started parting. I don't know who this is for, but I'm sure this is for somebody. Stop waiting for things to just drop on your, on your lap. God says, start doing your part. And as you start walking, God is going to start opening. God is going to start opening. You got to do your part, though. So he's, he, they start walking. You guys know the miracle. River Jordan opens. More than 3 million people pass to the other side. So he saw the hand of God. I would have loved to have been there, just, you know, my phone, just to record all that stuff and, and see, see how it happened. Um, but once they're there, they're in the promised land. But wait, God already said it was theirs, but now they had to take it. 
See, that's what we don't understand sometimes. We want God to drop everything in our lap. And God will do the miraculous part. But we need to be involved in the process. So I want you guys to picture Joshua. Joshua's freaking out. He's a, my gosh, okay, now we got to take the first city. Where's the first city? Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. They had these huge walls. They had an army. These were people that were in the desert for 40 years. No army, no weapons, maybe some weapons made out of some trees. I don't know. Uh, but they didn't have much. They were outnumbered, and they're going against an entire city that's been built up and fortified. So Joshua's freaking out. He's looking down, and he's like, God, how am I going to do this? I mean, I trust you, but this, this is not looking good. I mean, I saw you open Jordan, and that was amazing. But now, how in the world are we going to overcome this? How, how are we even going to get in the city to be able to even think about doing something? How are we going to get in? And he's looking down, and I want to point your attention to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up. So he must have been looking down thinking he looks up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand and Joshua of course he's he's already on fight mode he says well we're going to take over Jericho uh, you know he's probably recruiting people because they were outnumbered look what Joshua says he went up to him and he demanded are you a friend or are you a foe another version says are you for us or are you against us And look what the man responded. He said, neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And we later, we later find out that it's Jesus, before he even became flesh, right? Obviously, Jesus has been since the beginning. Jesus manifests himself multiple times in the, in the Old Testament. And Jesus has a sword and he comes to Joshua and he tells him, look, I'm not, I'm not for you. And I'm not for Jericho either. It's about whether you are for me and my kingdom. See, sometimes we want to get God and, and get God and manipulate him to come and help and, and come and join our squad and join what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do. And God says, Look, wait a second, wait a second. Your motives may be very good and well thought out, but it's not about whether I join you. It's about whether you are joining me. And he says... It's like Jesus telling him, look, I'm neither Republican, nor I am, nor am I Democrat, okay? I am of my own kingdom. I have my own kingdom. I govern, I dictate the plays, I have the last word, and I determine how things will go. So it's not a question of whether I am, Joshua, with you, or whether I am with Jericho. The question is, if you're with me, I did not came to take sides, Joshua. I came to take over. So he's telling him that. And we need to understand that unless we allow God to make the final decision on all matters. Listen to me. Young people, middle-aged people, guys, girls, who you're going to date, uh, what are you going to do, what career. Man, we need to include God and ask for him to give us wisdom so we, we make the right decisions. And, and that doesn't mean that you don't have to plan, that you're going to be lazy and say, oh God, let your kingdom come, your will be done, and, and don't do anything. You need to plan. You need to be a planner, but you always need to know that there's going to come a point in time that God can come and say, hey, 
It's good that you plan, great job, but you know what, I have better plans for you. And you need to be able to have a humble spirit and bow down your plans before God and say, God, okay, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. I thought, God, I thought that mine was it. I thought that, that you were pleased with my desire. I thought that, you know, you were in favor of me dating this girl or doing this. Or, but God, what is your will? And sometimes we don't, just, we don't go to God. We don't include God in the decisions that we make. And that's when we mess up. And then we have, you know, it takes time to undo the whole mess up that we're in. When we could have just from the start bowed down and said, God, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And in verse 14, the second part, and 15, when Joshua sees Jesus with his, with his sword in his hand, and Jesus says, look, I'm not for you, and I'm not against you, neither or. I'm, I'm with neither of the teams. I'm with my own team. The Bible says that at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? I think that's the position that every single believer should be at. Not just when it comes to voting, but for everything in our lives. And then verse 15 says, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Just, that he, just as he had told Moses, his predecessor. And Joshua did as he was told. The Bible says that Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. He surrendered his personal preference. He surrendered what he thought should have been done. He surrendered his ideas. He surrendered his plans in favor of God's. Because God, you know best. You know better than I. I am your servant. And my wish is that your kingdom be established in my life. And God, my wish is that your kingdom will be established in my family. And as a citizen or resident of the United States of America, my desire is that your will will be done and your kingdom be established here in the United States of America. So you guys know the story, right? Joshua won. He didn't even have to move a muscle. All they had to do is just shut up. Because the previous generation loved to talk and gossip. So God told them, you guys, nobody talking for seven days. It's going to be a, a talk fast. No talking for seven days. You guys are just, all you're going to do is go around Jericho one time on day one, one time on day two, one time on day three, four, five, six. And on the seventh day, you're going to go around it seven times. And when you've done that, then you're just going to worship me and watch the whole city come tumbling down. And that's exactly what happened. All they did is walk, walk around the city. I imagine people from Jericho watching them and they were freaking out because they had heard about how God had opened the Jordan and they had heard the promise of God over their people. So they were freaking out. They closed all the gates. If you read the story, you'll find out that they were, they were trembling because they knew that God was behind all this. And they, I, I imagine that they were watching from the tower and what are these crazy people doing? Not a word, but they did their part. And when they did the part, God did their, his part and God gave them the victory. 
the walls came tumbling down. Joshua saw the victory. And I'm here to declare that the church will see the victory too. I'm here to declare that you will see victory in your home if you do the same thing. If you decide today to put away your personal preference in favor of God's kingdom, if you decide today just to embrace everything that God left for us in his book, which is for our good, the Bible says that God's plans for our lives are good and not evil, to give us a hope and a future. You embrace that and you're going to see crazy things come to pass by the hand of God. So the church will see the victory. And if we understand that this is not a matter of politics, but a matter of God's unmovable kingdom, then you know what? God's going to come through and we're going to vote in a way that glorifies God's kingdom. So I close with this. How are we going to fight? How are you going to fight? Are you going to fight with your personal preferences? What would you do if you're watching a football game and all of a sudden the referee just pulls off his referee shirt and underneath he has a Miami Dolphins shirt and it's a Miami Dolphins against the Jets. Wait a second. That's not fair. That's not fair. You can't wear a Dolphins jersey, right? You, th this is not just. It is not fair. Well, as kingdom people, we need to keep our jerseys on. We need to submit to the principles of the kingdom of God and vote according to the principles of God. Heaven and earth will one day pass, will be no longer, but his word, his principles will never pass. So I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. I want to pray for God to help us vote in favor of the kingdom and not in favor of a political party, not in favor of, of, of a person. We're going to pray for wisdom And we're going to take a stand as a church to preserve our society because in the end, we are the salt of the earth. So after this prayer, I just want to encourage you, just like we did last week, we have voter, voting guides that the Christian uh, Family Coalition has prepared with what each party represents, what they are in favor and what they are in against for you to make an educated decision based on what the Bible says. So before you leave, stop by the lobby, grab your information, do your work. Because we talked, you got to do your due diligence, right? We talked about that God's not going to drop stuff in your lap. You got to do your part, which is vote, be educated, and vote according to God's principles. Lord, we thank you. We thank you because you still speak to people. You still guide people. And we thank you incredibly for your word. In an age when we can have the Bible in whatever version, in whatever color. God, we could have it electronically. We could have it with pages. We could, we could inscribe our names in it. We could even have a worship. But there's so many Bibles out there. And yet, when there's more abundance of it, it's when we least read it. And I pray, God, that you give us a sensitive heart to grab a hold and read and fall in love with the words that are going to that are going to lead us, that are going to give us life, that are going to help us establish, Father, in the next four years, a kingdom of peace in this, in this place and in this nation. God, I pray, God, that you give us a determined spirit to be able to always vote and always push in favor of your word, even if it means having to do away with personal preferences and history and race. And God, we want to follow after you because we believe that your heart is always for us and not against us. So 
Jesus, we pray for this great nation of the United States of America, a nation that has blessed so many other nations. A nation that sits in the pinnacle, not by coincidence, but it sits in the pinnacle of the world because of we've opened, we've opened our nation to you, God, and the democracy of the United States of America, its constitution was founded with people that feared God. And we pray, God, that that will continue to be so, God. We don't want you farther away from this nation. We want you closer. God, we, we need you in our schools. We need you, God, in, in the courts. We need you in, in the Supreme Court. We need you in the White House. We need you, Father, to be the Lord of this country. And for God, we pray for revelation. And we pray that we would vote whenever it's our turn to vote, whether it be this week coming up or on the, on the third, according to your principles. Because we know that one day, heaven and earth will no longer be, but your word will always prevail. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.